Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. everybody. Welcome to episode 26. Welcome to the middle end of January. It's kind of like the middle end of your 30s or 20s. It's kind of where we're at in January right now. How are you all doing? I've missed you guys. And I say that not because it's been a while or because I've been gone or anything like that, but because genuinely the last couple of weeks, my focus has been more in my home and on my kids than in my business as usual. It's not like it's not been in my business, but in a very real way for me, I have felt like it's been a year in the last week or so with all that I've been learning and figuring out in the rhythm of my day with my kids now that I'm homeschooling them. And so I just wanted to tell you, I love and hold very sacred this time with the podcast. It is such a service to you guys and to thank you for your reviews and to sort of celebrate that service. I wanted to read a review that I had from one of you guys on iTunes. I was so surprised to find this and also really grateful. As you know, I do this for free as a free service. I love, love supporting postpartum moms and Occasionally, I do ask that you come review if you feel like it, if you feel like you've been touched and really helped and lifted by this podcast, mainly because A, it makes me feel really warm and fuzzy. You guys know that. But also B, a lot of moms are in need of help. That was me. And I found a podcast. I feel like when somebody's in the middle of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or just postpartum struggle, and they really want to get help, they're going to go looking for a podcast. They're not just going to like mindlessly scroll Instagram anymore. They're going to take the next step. They want tools. And so the more reviews you guys can leave, the more you can help this podcast get into the hands of those moms like yourselves yay for you, who are ready to get healing and help. So this is a five-star review from E-L-N-O-G-O-T-O, because I don't know how to say it, El-N-O-G-O-T-O. I don't even know if it's like a name or a combination of names. So she left this this month that it's titled Insightful. It says, Lizzie challenges my thoughts in such a positive way. She helps me to get out of my own head and see my thoughts are preventing me from having the motherhood I want. My kids aren't the ones quote, making me upset. It's my own thoughts. Her gentle reminders and guidance are motherhood game changers. Get out a notebook and be ready to fill it. Whoever your name is, whatever your name is that left that review, I just wanted to say thank you. I am glad that you feel like you need to get out a notebook and fill it because that's what I like to do when I'm on listening to a podcast. And I have clients who are doing that right now too. They have notebooks for our work together and they're getting out notebooks. So Great. I'm so happy. All right. Here's the deal with today's episode. Simplify your motherhood, the anatomy of a day. Part of the effect of postpartum anxiety, I'll talk about that first, and then we'll talk about postpartum depression. So part of the effect of postpartum anxiety though, is that we feel crippled in our creativity and finding of solutions, right? Anxiety just has this effect of swirling around in our minds and in our bodies and focusing on the problems and not exactly aiding us in building our way out of a solution or out to a solution. And then with postpartum depression, one of the effects is that strategies to help ourselves 
out of it and through it sort of just seem elusive. They seem like they're slipping out of our fingers. It always seems like when you're in postpartum depression, and if you don't know if you're in it or not, this might be a good indicator. It just seems like the help you need is either off of your radar, or if it does manage to make its way onto your radar, it seems out of reach. And it just seems like you can't get yourself to actually get the help that you need to make the things happen that you know would help you. Okay. That's just what depression feels like. And that's why it's It's kind of like quicksand. You just keep sinking in. So today I'm going to be that little voice outside of your head. I'm going to do the thinking for you that you can't do right now. And I'm going to present it in a way that isn't overwhelming because I know what you're going through and what you feel like right now. I'm going to present some tried and true strategies that are completely made up by me, but that have been inspired by experiences I've been going through recently. And there is one parenting book I've been reading that kind of kicked off a few of these ideas. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. This episode is going to be really great for you. If you sometimes find yourself counting down the hours until your husband gets home and, or if you haven't been enjoying your time with your kids lately, for whatever the reason, there is no guilt here. You might be really severely struggling in your postpartumness right now, whether it's sleep deprivation, whether you don't know what it is, and it's just been a dark time in your motherhood. I want to emphasize the point of this episode, okay? When I say simplify your motherhood, and we're going to be talking about some strategies to sort of build out your day with your kids, the point of this is not to help your kids, to help them feel better and raise them better. I'm not a parenting expert. I love your kids by extension because I love you, okay? But I believe that when we get the mom's head straight and make life easier for you and for us as moms, our kids by extension will be well-served and the quality of our time will go up with them. And from there, it'll be easier to improve anything that needs to be improved for them and their lives. So I'm not concerned about your kids right now. I'm concerned and I'm here for you, mama. Let that be clear. Point number one, we're going to be talking about routine. This kind of builds the context for all of the ideas I'm going to outlay today. All right. Now I don't just mean routine again for kids benefit. I'm talking about moms and routine as well. You have a relationship with routine. Okay. You have thoughts about routine, your routine, or just routine in general, and you have feelings about it. Some moms hate routine. They need something different every day and they get bored if they don't. That's totally fine. I was like that for a long time in my motherhood, especially when I was newer as a mom, I needed unpredictability. It helped me just feel alive. And like I was having fun to some degree. Just know if you're sharing any or all of your days with children, however, children's brains thrive off of routine. Okay. So if you love routine, great. If you don't, here's an idea. Consider this. You can have both routine for your kids, which helps their brains and behavior be their best. And you can build into parts of your routine for less set, more unpredictable timeframes. So for example, You can have meals and snacks at set times maybe, or generally set times and bath time and bedtime maybe are set, but every day between 1030 and 1130, right? That golden hour right before naps or whatever, you can have something completely surprising or unplanned. If that helps you, you can leave it open even to decide what you want to do for me nowadays. I don't like that, but I used to love having it open. These days, I just feel like that sets me up to lose because then I spend time trying to make decisions and my kids are in the meantime misbehaving, but that's just me and my kids. So anyway, the point being variety within the routine, if that's what you need, if routine bores you. All right. The last little bit I'm going to share about routine in general, okay, is 
If you don't do this already, I'm going to make a suggestion. I got this idea from this book I've been reading, which I'll link in the show notes. It's called Simplicity Parenting. But if your child is about two and a half or three years old or older, consider going over the plans for the next day, the night before, or in the morning. Now, hold up. If you are depressed, if you are in postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, if you're struggling right now, this is going to be really hard for you and possibly genuinely impossible. Making a plan when you're just barely trying to survive, it's a good idea if you can do it and if you have the energy for it. But if you're struggling so much that making a plan just seems kind of out of reach right now, you're just trying to get through your days, I understand. So I would maybe consider taking time on the weekend or whenever your husband can take the kids for a bit or somebody that you love and trust and put that towards some planning if you have the energy. If you don't have the energy, which I really didn't, but I also didn't know to do this. I didn't know how important it was and how much easier it would make my life. So I don't know if I could have found the energy had I had this podcast, but if you feel like you don't, seriously, just Google some rough preschool plans like or whatever, kindergarten, whatever age your kids kind of are, and sketch out a rough plan. I found a website for you guys. It's called simplylearningkids.com. I'll link that in the show notes as well. But I was looking over it, and the reason I wanted to share it here is because it's really gentle and hassle-free. It's a safe place for, I feel like, a fragile, mentally fragile or depressed or struggling postpartum mama to go look for any ideas. It's soft on the eyes. The way she presents information is really judgment-free and she also is kind of a minimalist and so she doesn't require a lot of supplies for doing things. It's pretty easy. But the reason I wanted to bring this up, this idea of kind of going over the next day or in the morning the day of with your kids is how much of a difference I've seen it make with my kids. They are instantly put at ease when they can have a mental picture of what the day is going to look like. I don't understand it. I don't get why, although I kind of do. I mean, if you think about yourself, let's say you're going to spend a bunch of time with your husband one day, he's taking you out and you want to know, what are we going to do? You want to be able to anticipate the human brain just likes to do that. And it helps them start to be masters of their day ahead of time. And so just think about it, even if it takes a little bit extra energy from you to be able to do that with a little bit of planning, you might find that it helps first of all, to have a plan. And that's not something I was taught really, but it is helpful. So you might just find that having a plan is good, but also you might find that your kids, uh, kind of go with you a little more and are more willing to go with you into the day and do what you have planned when they know what's going to go on. And remember, the way you present it is everything. So if you're presenting it and you're like, please don't throw a fit about this, please don't be upset, right? They're already feeling your weak energy. But if you own it and are like, this is what we're doing today, it's going to be awesome. Not like dictator control, but like I've thought about this. I'm sort of the commander of the ship and I love you guys and I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry, we're going to have a great day type of a thing. It goes really well. Okay, point number two, meals and snacks are hinges of the day. I want you to imagine you're playing with little toy horses, okay? And you have a little farmhouse and you have one of those white picket fences that has hinges. So let's say there's five big long panels to the fence and you can shape it however you want, but the fence moves based off of these hinges, okay? So I want you to think of the three meals a day 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the two snacks. By the way, I'm not saying you need to eat breakfast if you're not a breakfast person, but I'm talking about with the kids. We've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then the snacks in between breakfast and lunch, one snack in between that, and one snack between lunch and dinner, yeah? So you can use those meals as hinges to your day. You can have more or less set times for meals, and everything happens based off of those hinges. Now, again, when I didn't know how to plan and I didn't plan, and when I didn't really set good times for the meals, I didn't realize it at the time, but I want you to pay attention to this. If you let your meals fluctuate and even the snacks too, your kids' little blood sugar levels are as well, and therefore their behaviors fluctuate. And so this is a nice little trick. If you have kids who have been having behaviors or tend to dip into behaviors, I bet if you tracked it, you could find a relation or a correlation between the meal times and the consistency of them and getting them good, you know, somewhat healthy foods during those meals versus if you let the meals fluctuate, if you miss the windows that they're normally used to, you're going to find that they have a lot more meltdowns. They're a lot more up and down. So take a look at the hinges of the day. Are you having these nice set hinges? Again, this is for your child's benefit, but it swings back around, no pun intended (laughs) with a hinge, swings back around and helps you mama um, to be able to not have to deal with so many behaviors with your kids. And it's not fun for them to have all the ups and downs. Now there are those days where you just forget to pack snacks or whatever, whatever, but then you can at least notice this and anticipate the poor behavior. And if you choose to stop and get a snack somewhere while you're out to make it a priority, just, you want to essentially when you're struggling postpartum, you want to do everything you can in your power to set yourself up for success. You're already sleep deprived. Most of the time you're already still trying to figure out your own meals and eating properly. You're already dealing with all this anxiety and feeling weird because you've never been like this before. And then to add on top of that, missing the meal windows and having moody kids is just not doing yourself a favor. So again, I'm thinking for you, I'm throwing this out there for you. I know you all have that one kid that drives you bonkers that one hour of the day, bless their dear little souls. For me, it's my oldest. And it seems like lately he's passing the torch to my older or my middle child, Rozzy. So it's just funny, but for me, for us, it's that three to 5 PM slot of the day. So whatever it is for you, the hinges of the day must be set up. If you want the gate to stand, right? The little, the little picket fence. And if you want to avoid dips in their behavior, same thing. Okay. Point number three transitions. So if we're building out the anatomy of our day, which again, is helpful to you because you're so in your routine and in your struggle and overwhelm and anxiety that sometimes it takes that outside voice and idea to help you see these things. So what you can do, you've you've got your hinges. Yeah. So we've got five hinges, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then a snack in between eat for each of those. And so once you have your hinges in place, you can start to add transitions and attach transitions to each hinge. So let me give you an example. This is very simple. Don't let your brain think this is overwhelming. Okay. For example, my kids, we do a little devotional in the morning while they're eating breakfast is the time that I have found they have their best attention. And so to kind of transition and build a transition off of breakfast, we sing a little churchy song and then we start our lesson while they're eating. We already said a prayer over the food, so we don't need to pray again. And that's kind of how we do that transition. 
Now, as I was just telling you that, I realized I don't have a good transition built going into breakfast. All we really do is we wake up and we get dressed, do our hair if it's a great day and we're totally on top of our game, all before we go downstairs. But a lot of times I find that when we go downstairs, the kids just want to start playing, they get on the piano, and it can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes to get breakfast started and it lags out and there's some frustration and I'm like, hey, get back over here. Because I know if they don't eat on time, they're going to be dipping up and down emotionally. And so I want them to sit down and eat, but sometimes they get so distracted. And so I'm just realizing right now, I could tack on a little breakfast song, or I could have some ingredients for the breakfast set out. And part of our ritual or our transition attached activity could be helping me with breakfast. And you know, you get to decide what you have energy for and what is easy for you. Maybe it could just be They come downstairs and there's classical music playing and they just get to like dance in the kitchen. And the rule is they just stay in the kitchen until breakfast is on the table. That way they're not meandering around the house, already making messes and getting into things that you have set up for later in the day or whatever it may be. So do you get the idea though? You've got the hinge is breakfast and then you have one transition leading into breakfast, then you do breakfast, the hinge, and then you have another transition leading out of it. And I just find that when you put on a transition before and after one of your hinges of the day, one of the benefits, first of all, is it just knocks off some time on the clock, right? (laughs) Helps the day pass a little faster and it gives your kids a cue. It gives their little minds something they can count on and it helps them settle down nicely for you into the meal or into whatever that next activity is when you have a plan to transition. You don't just have to have transitions, by the way, on the hinges and the meals of the day. You can have transitions as much as you would like to with anything that happens recurringly throughout the day. Maybe before you go on your daily outing, everyone kneels and says a prayer, or maybe you have a little kindness jar. I don't know. This is something my mother-in-law did. And before you go out of the house for the day, you stop and everybody gets to put a puff ball in the kindness jar if they were being kind. Okay. It doesn't matter. And if this sounds overwhelming to you, forget it all and just do whatever is easy for you. But the point is when you use transitions, it helps your kid's little brain to stop, like not have a freak out and not have a hard time leaving what they're enjoying doing because they can enjoy something that they already know is coming. It just helps them go with you and there's not as much frustration in battle. Now I want to pause here for a minute. If you're listening to this episode and you're just like, I can't do any of this. This is all just over my head right now. I'm underwater. Okay. I just want you to know that that was me too. And I wish I would have had this podcast and maybe things would have been differently. If I would have had somebody who really had been through what I'd been through, tell it to me straight like this. But I want you to know there were a lot of days where I just couldn't handle things. And it would be very abrupt and urgent. I would just be done. I'd be like, I need to go. We're going to go to McDonald's right now. Let's go. Everybody pack up. We're going, we're going to McDonald's because I just needed to get out. And it was just urgent. And I couldn't be alone in the house anymore. And the loneliness was corrupting my ability to function. It was like a dead weight on my heart. Okay. And just understand that's totally fine. But when you do that over and over, it's possible that your child can start to have some stubbornness and behaviors. They can start acting out when they continually don't feel like they have control or have a heads up. And I'm not saying that to fault you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just looking out for you. 
right? If you don't want to have to deal with on top of all of your own personal stuff as a human being inside of your motherhood, if you don't want to also have to manage your child's very up and down emotions, consider looking at the routine. It will take some energy and work, but it will save you energy and work in the long run and emotional wear and tear. All right. And then point number four, when it comes to simplifying your motherhood and the flow of your day, we've got our hinges, right? The meals, and we've got transitions attached to each hinge before and after to help your kids flow with you to the next thing and to keep behaviors and meltdowns from happening. So the rest of the day, after the hinges and transitions, when you're filling in those cracks of the day, there is a tendency for us as moms to think, I don't know if this is just instinctual or socially cultural taught or a little bit of both or just not knowing any better or differently. There is a tendency to say, okay, what do my kids like to do? I'll plan that for them. And hey, if you have the emotional bandwidth and you're healthy and whole as an individual and you want to serve and do something for your kids that you don't particularly enjoy, great. Like if you enjoy them enjoying it and that's enough for you, I love that. And I'm so happy. And I get that way sometimes nowadays, but there was a time where I was kind of deadened in my soul and I needed to plan things to do with my kids that I enjoyed. And I didn't give myself permission to do that very often. I mostly felt guilty if I didn't want to play Legos because I didn't like Legos. If I wanted to do Play-Doh instead, because I like Play-Doh. Actually, I do like Legos. That was a bad example. But anyway, I do like Play-Doh a lot too. So anyway, the point here is that whether it's something you do or something in the parenting world where you think you need to do things for your kids and their development, what I want to offer you is that what if what they need more than a mother who tailors every little happiness and joy that they can possibly think of for their child because of what their child likes. What if what they need is a mom who is demonstrating to them what it looks like to make space for herself in motherhood and a mom who's doing what it takes to be happy with her kids and a mom who's showing them what happiness looks like, feels like, breathes like, laughs like, right? What better gift could you give them than your own happiness? What cool trip could they go on that's a total drain and drag for you, but that they love when you're miserable and and de-energized and drained the whole time. So what if we took a new spin on this, you guys? What if we thought about filling our own cups first and from a full cup, then go and do the things. I'm totally fine with you going and doing things for your kids, but if you are running on empty, now's not the time, honey. If you are running on empty, we need to tailor your motherhood to you for a while for the sake of your kids and for the sake of you. Your kid's sake is your sake. You've got to get your self full, your cup full, and that can be the greater gift than any activity you could possibly plan in for them during the day. Do you think your kids would rather play, let's say they want to play Legos and you don't, would they rather play Legos with a mom who is just like bored to tears and doesn't really want to play with them and maybe doesn't even join them Maybe, right? They're little. They basically really love Legos and that's fine. But what if you could even better serve them and at the same time help yourself by redirecting them or suggesting or finding a way to get them into an activity that you enjoy? And what if that's okay? 
I always like to mention this because it's so common and nobody boldly talks about it like I'm willing to. All right. So if you are more rough, I'm just going to call it rough with your kids. Like if you are just a little bit more physical than you'd like, you're a little bit more snappy than you'd like, you know, whether you feel like it's really just the sleep deprivation or whether it's just a phase you're going through, it doesn't really matter. I'm specifically talking to you right now. I know you wish you could be more gentle and I know you just really get on yourself for snapping again, you know, and being more rough with him than you would like again. And I know one of the tendencies is after you go through one of those moments where you've kind of lost it, you try to make up, you try to make it up to them by continually buying things for them or doing something that they want to do. And that's fine. But I want you to understand that you're going to fix the roughness that you have with them, not by necessarily, you know, physically from an external place, giving them something or something like that, but by talking more kindly to yourself, you can't have more kindness with them until you have more kindness with you. This may sound simple, but it is fundamental with my clients. This is the first area, the first area we work Every time and every time it is the biggest area for change. We see repercussions in the parent-child relationship and in the parent or I guess wife and spouse relationship when we address the self-talk, the mother's self-talk. One thing I heard on social media recently was when you say something to yourself like, I'm such a dweeb, replace it, try replacing it with you as if you were talking to a friend. Would you ever say you're such a dweeb? Okay, now that's a terrible example because you totally probably would say that to a good friend of yours or maybe you'd pick some other word. But I'm talking about the self-talk that hurts, right? Like you say to yourself, why can't I just be more kind to him? If you were to see your friend be a little rougher than maybe you know she would like or either of you would like with her kid, Would you ever approach that situation and try to help her through that by saying, why can't you just be more kind? Is that helpful to her? No. You'd be like, are you okay? Are you having a rough day? Do you want me to take him for a bit and you can just relax? That's how you would talk to your friend. Why do we think it's fine to get on our butts about things and be like, why can't you be more da 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 da? Seriously, pay attention to your self-talk get in your head, put a microphone up there, you know, metaphorically speaking, and listen to what you're saying. Try turning it around and putting you towards it, turning it towards a friend and thinking of a dear friend. Would you ever talk to her with that way? And if the answer is no, then clean it up friend. And don't talk to yourself that way. If you can be your own friend, if you can be your own advocate, if you can be kind to yourself, you will be a friend and an advocate and kind to your children. Instantly, I can tell you from working with my clients, the the moment we start to have more grace with ourselves, by extension, we have more grace with our kids. Think about essentially what you're trying to do when you talk really mean to yourself and then you're trying to be nice to your kids. It's like you're trying to paint a picture, a nice, beautiful watercolor picture with dirt and mud and like rocky pebbles in there. Is that ever going to work? Are rocky pebbles ever going to produce a beautiful watercolor? You know, that's all, that's always going to be brown. You're going to have weird, unpredictable textures. You cannot sustainably be kind to others, including your children, when you're mean to you. All right, to wrap up this last point, you're trying to 
do things that you enjoy to do, right? You're trying to do things that you enjoy to fill up your cup so that you have more to give with your kids. And honestly, so you just are happier and feel better, right? Cause I know that's what you want. So what are your favorite things to do? Do you love painting? Do you love going on walks? How could you make a fun activity for your kids out of something that you, their mom loves to do? Again, what if you stopped trying to do whatever they wanted so that they'd be happy? And what if you gave them the gift of your own happiness and displaying what happiness looks like by taking care of yourself and figuring out what it is that you need to be happy? I want to just add a note here. Maybe that's time away from them. Again, quality of time does not depend on the quantity of time. So if you keep telling yourself, oh, I could never hire someone, I'd feel so guilty if I took some time away from them. Just understand that argument is associating quantity of hours with them with quality of motherhood. And I want you to know that sometimes all that you need, the little shift is just giving yourself permission to believe that there is no such thing as quantity equaling quality. Okay. And that sometimes cutting back on quantity of hours with our kids actually ups our quality of time with them and our quality of mothering. So simplify your motherhood, do these things. I hope you go join a book club. I hope you go take your kids to Ikea. If you just need an hour off as long as they're potty trained, I hope that you fill up your cup. It will simplify your motherhood. And I hope that these ways have helped you do that. Give your children the gift of your happiness and friend. If I say that and you're like discouraged because you just don't know where happy went, it slipped right out the window a long time ago. Come find me. Come talk to me. I help my clients kind of reconstruct their motherhood the way they want it and find themselves again within it in a happy, healthy way. So the booking link to my consult is always going to be in the show notes here, or you can find me on Instagram at Lizzie Langston, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Lizzie here. If you've been struggling and you're ready for more help, I want to invite you to book a consult with me. I offer free hour-long consults where we go over what's not working, your vision for the future of your motherhood, and how I would help you given my tools and expertise. To schedule your free consult, visit my booking page at go.oncehub.com forward slash Lizzie Langston. I fully believe that you can get to where you want to go. I'll see you on the consult.